Welcome back. Uh, we've got Simon from PGA Life 365 with us, and Simon, we had a, we had a great start to the uh, to the podcast. But now we're going to delve into a little project that you've been uh, doing for a while now, and I think everyone would like to know a bit more about it. Can you tell us about Project Left? Yeah, yeah. So Project Left is essentially just trying to learn golf left-handed. Um, it's kind of always, always been in the back of my mind. Um, I write with my left hand. I throw a ball with my left hand. I play tennis to a pretty good standard left-handed. Um, I bowled in cricket left-handed. But I've always, I'm, I'm probably right-footed, but I'm not really either-footed because football was never my thing. Um, and it kind of always niggled away at me growing up. Um, it's not the sort of thing that, you can just switch. So when I was a kid, when I first started playing short tennis, I had two forehands. I'd forehand on my right hand, switch over to my left hand, forehand on my left hand. And I did that for quite a few years until it got um, coached out of me, kind of when you learn to serve over arm, you kind of then had to decide what you were going to do. Um, but you can't do that with golf because it's completely different equipment. And it was never, it was never brought up to me. It was never even an option um, to me to play golf left-handed. Like we said before, I got quite good at golf at quite a young age so it was never really questioned by me or any other coaches um, and it wasn't until I started coaching golf that I saw more and more people that played the wrong way round um, struggled they hit the ball quite a long way but struggled with face control um, and I think if if you take your three dominant hands and I asked you to throw a ball from the palm of your hand forwards into different buckets or baskets in front of you it would be quite easy but then if I then asked you to do it from the back of your hand it then became much harder to figure out direction um, and that would be kind of the coaching idea you know can I get the face control and therefore better direction um, being left-handed because my dominant hand is actually facing the right way rather than facing the wrong way does that make sense mm, absolutely um, and then and also kind of came to the time of my life where you know, like I said before, I never really um, wanted to play professionally. I wanted to play kind of local, local sort of regional tour golf. I'm quite happy with that, just because it gave me some sort of competitive sport to play. Um, and then obviously doing it left-handed meant that I could have a handicap again. I could go back to being an amateur, even though I'm not allowed to, by any stretch to be an amateur. Um, I still am not allowed to play or win any amateur events, even though... If you've seen me play left-handed, it is pretty woeful at times. Um, there's obviously very strict guidelines in golf. Um, and also, I studied quite a lot of film theory at university, and I've always had this kind of dream of making a documentary. Um, and obviously, doing Project Left, doing weekly episodes on YouTube, having a bank of content, I will be able to create a documentary at the end of it. You know, it's like, like a 90-minute documentary. And half the fun of all of this is that nobody knows what the hell is going to happen at the end i've got i've got down to 12 handicap i'm kind of pushing single figures if i can get a chance to play a few more rounds of 18 holes um, and put some cards in you know where i go from there i've got another at least another year left potentially might extend it because of what's obviously happened with covid and almost losing six months of this year um, to not being able to play um, and i think that's half the fun of it certainly for me and hopefully for the viewers is that nobody knows where this is going to go and it and it is quite relatable you know you see and i think you've alluded to it on other podcasts and one of the reasons that you guys are doing what you're doing is because there isn't that documentation of the average golfer you know especially that sort of that kind of struggle that we all go through and and even even pros go through it um there's not many playing pros documenting their journeys there's lots of teaching pros that document their journey and what they do in tournaments there are some good tournament local tournament players that are making content but it's trying to have that have that relatable story i think and hopefully project left is quite relatable i think the coolest thing about about that concept um simon is that when when i hear pros whether that's a video whether it's real life if i hear a pro talking about golf and giving advice you never get to see them impl implement that. But if now that you're going back to basics, essentially, all the advice 
that you've given other people, I, I suppose, you can almost be given back into yourself. And then yeah. watching a pro then go through the process an amateur would go through is so unique and, and different, but it's also yeah. so, uh, it's almost like a saturated version of someone's golfing lifetime trying to get down to those figures um, and watching it play out with somebody who actually knows how, how, to, how to make that happen without going through all the rigmarole of um, doing something wrong for, I don't know, however many years you may do something wrong for. So, um, such a unique perspective on it. It's such a unique angle to come in on a, on a golf process. So it's really cool. And I'd, I'd love to see a full, a full documentary of that if, if and when it happens. Yeah, hopefully it'll be fun. I mean, I've got, I will have enough content to, to make it happen. And if it can have that kind of unique ending, that would be really mm. special. But to be honest, even if it finishes where it does now, it's still, it's still some journey. I mean, it took me... <clears throat> It took me five or six rounds to break 100. Bearing in mind, I know exactly what I should be doing on every mm. shot mm. Uh, in, on the golf course. So even though I was playing sensibly and I was taking the sensible option, I still couldn't break 100 because I wasn't good enough. I didn't strike mm. it well enough to, to get the ball around the golf course. Um, and I've obviously learned and developed fairly quickly. I didn't... One of the things that I always wanted to do... Um, was just have equipment that I was that I found to start with, um, because I'm a big believer that skill trumps equipment yeah. all the time, um, and I wouldn't let myself get new equipment until I got to 12 handicap, um, and I got to 12 handicap in January this year. Went down to ping, got full bag fitting, and my handicap hasn't moved, and it's now October. So, mm. admittedly, I haven't put the time in or haven't been able to put the time in to push on for this year. But I got down to 12 with pretty average equipment and then got new equipment that was custom fit and haven't changed my handicap so read into that what you will at the moment but <laughs> it, it, it definitely goes so much, so much further than than just the equipment you use that's yeah and i think i mean we've already talked, talked about it briefly before it's it, there's the mentality behind it as well uh the, the commitment side of things um too so it's no, it's, it's it's very fascinating, very interesting. Are you giving yourself what's your time frame for this? What's your time scale between not hanging up your cape per se on Project Left, but where? How long do you think you can keep pushing forwards with it? So Project Left was always three years. Right. That was so basically, it, it all came to a head. I did a charity event, and if you look back on PJ Life YouTube channel, you'll see it far enough back. Yeah. On my birthday, which is July twenty. 18 2018 i did a 24-hour marathon so i played golf non-stop for 24 hours i played eight rounds of golf walking in a four ball in 24 hours which was one of the most stupid things i've ever done um, and i literally walked off the golf course it was the day that england lost their semi-final quarter-final in the world cup 2018 maybe yep. croatia. Or european yep. championship yeah yep. croatia yeah so I literally, we, we planned it so we'd finish at 6pm on that Saturday so that we could then die in the bar and watch it afterwards. And um, I remember just sitting there going, I don't want to ever pick up a golf club again. I literally don't want to pick up a golf club again. I've had enough. I played terribly because of fatigue and just, you know, just playing eight rounds of golf in, in a row is, is pretty hard going. Um, and I literally didn't hit another right-handed shot. I sat there in the next couple of days when I was letting my blisters heal and stuff. And I was like, you know what? Why not, why not now do what you've been talking about doing for a while? Because I've often done like charity beat the pro type stuff where I'll stick a left-handed seven iron in a bag. Or when I'm doing junior lessons and you'd mess around and they'd, they'd have to beat me hitting shots left-handed. And, and I knew I could hit it left-handed because... I'd hit plenty of seven irons off a nice flat lie or a nice tee peg so that I knew that I could make contact. But there's a big difference between hitting a shot off a flat lie and a tee peg on a range and actually trying to get the ball around the course. Um, and yeah, it was really hard. And it still is really, really hard. There are, there are days when it just feels literally like I'm stood on my, on my hands and my feet in the air holding the club and I don't know what the hell is going on. Um, and it will just take over me. Like I played, at, I played at a local club with some mates the other day and I got to about the 11th or 12th and I just stood over the shot and made my back swing and had to stop because I was like, 
this feels so alien even after two years of doing it it still can feel wrong which is weird but yeah. that's the way it is do you feel like- I think that's, again that's quite relatable isn't it i was gonna say yeah, do you feel like- <laughs> because i do honestly, yeah <laughs> That is probably that's probably one. The, honestly, I'm standing here like with my mouth wide open because that is genuinely one of the most relatable things I've ever heard. Is a, a, a professional because I I just you know same in the tennis world like a professional has gone on the course and not <laughs> not had any idea what's happening or what what, what to do. So it, that's amazing. That is that is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, uh, I feel uh, like that. <laughs> he liked just that. Didn't back, you? that um, just going back to that charity thing you did, a bit off topic, but if my maths served me right, you so that's eight rounds in 24 hours. So that's still three hours around for yep. 24 hours. See, we can, four of us playing, Jesus, if it's less than four, it's a miracle. <laughs> so to play three hours straight, three hours each round, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I did it where there was two of us that did it, um, and we had two amateurs pay to play with us on each round. So each round we had two different amateurs with us and we knew that we needed to average three hours around. Mm. So there were times when they were old guys and girls that we were literally just dragging around the golf course. <laughs> it was quite amusing at times, especially at night when it's pitch black, you know, and you're playing through the night and we had some yeah. LED. I think I've got one. I think I've got one here. One of these LED golf balls. If I oh, can no light it. That's not lighting now. Probably won't light. There we go. So proper, where's my oh. camera out there? So proper bright golf balls. Um, and it was great fun, but they would go out mid-flight sometimes. Oh, um, <laughs> and uh, we, we got a junior at our club, and he'd have been 15 or so at the time. I think it was off plus one or plus two at the time. Um, and he's like US Kids European champion, like really, really good golfer. And he played three holes in the middle of the night with one of these balls that didn't light up at all for three holes. And that's <laughs> quite possibly one of the most impressive things I've ever seen on a golf course. Cause wow. he literally hit it down the fairway, went, yeah, that's about, that's the middle of the fairway. Went, walked down <laughs> in the pitch black and found it, knocked it on the green, hold the wow. putt, two putted, whatever. And it's just like, that's impressive. Um, mm. And that again was possibly one of the reasons that made me feel sick and want to just become an amateur again. <laughs> Cause I'll, <laughs> I'll never be able to compete with that. That is Jesus. ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. That is oh, I think that's a great, great video as well to, yeah. to record a, a charity match for 24 hours going through the night. Because like, it'd be, I mean, we would be absolute carnage. Oh, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, we carnage to start with and then imagine it after sleep deprivation. I mean, I did, <laughs> I did one thing golf related that was more crazy than that. And that would have been, I think it was 2007 or 2008 um, when I was a tra- well, I just qualified. Um, but I was an assistant pro at another club and me and the head pro, we did a charity thing in buggies, admittedly, but we played um, four days nonstop. So, but just, I say just, but just during daylight hours. So we'd Mm. start at 3am and finish at 10pm for four days. um, And we played 820 holes in four days. Um, Wow. And and that was, that was more ridiculous. Um, Was great fun. And like, like, I've I've never done the whole climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or Everest or that sort of thing, but the the kind of the sleep deprivation and the delirium that you go to is just unbelievable. Like, we had a guy that would drive the buggy ahead, and and he was an old boy, and he would park in the middle of the fairway to watch our tee shots, but he wouldn't park in the right place, so we'd be pinging drivers over his head because he was in like he was 30 40 yards short of where we'd go because that's where he'd hit his tee shot to or past mm. where he'd hit his tee shot to anyway i remember playing the 18th like maybe day two or day three and i've hit this tee shot um and steve who i'm playing with like sorry that's gonna hit brian's buggy and it was literally going straight at him and i just went yeah and neither of us shouted for and he sat there in the buggy with the you know like the stanchion at the back of the buggy that keeps the roof up yeah. So he's facing this way, looking here, and, stand, and it hit the stanchion on the full at head height. And, like, like what place must you be in for, to not shout four at that point? <laughs> I mean, it was just ridiculous. And, and he was white as a sheet when we got up there. Admittedly, that's understandable. But, yeah, that was, that was, that was probably more crazy than the 24 hours. But oh, I was a bit younger then. But um, you've got to do these things. I think that's one of yeah. the great things with golf. It gives you these opportunities to do crazy yeah 
charity-based things and more people should do it. Um, I have another one. I did another one that was quite interesting. Um, we did, I'm a bit, I used to do a lot of triathlon um, and it's one of the things that I really enjoyed just to try and stay fit. Um, and I did a triathlon over and three rounds of golf in a day. So there's a golf course in Essex where I swam a mile in the lake first thing in the morning then play, oh, actually I played 18 holes at this golf course first thing in the morning, then swam a mile in the lake, then cycled from there into Norfolk, so from Essex to Norfolk, played another round of golf, and then that was 12 miles from my home club, so then ran that through Thetford Forest um, and then played 18 holes there. So you've got, like, I've obviously always had a little bit of a screw loose for certain <laughs> things, so I think learning to play golf left-handed, when you put it into context of those other things, isn't the craziest thing I've ever done, but it's probably the most prolonged thing. Unbelievable. I think Ed, Ed and I, in the height of summer, when it was sort of pushing, it was quite warm, wasn't it? And we, we played 27 holes in a day, which is, yeah. I mean, not, not worth comparing. And we could barely stand up by the end of it. It's unbelievable. It's um, yeah, it's difficult. And that's, yeah, that's impressive. So over those four days, what was the figure again? 820 holes. Yeah, 800, so my mother being um, an accountant, we finished on the 18th hole on the last day in the um, almost pitch black. Mm. And everyone, you know, champagne, everyone's celebrating. And my mum just in the corner, the corner of the green just went, you know, 819 isn't a very round number. <laughs> Thanks, Mum. So off we trot to the nearest par three, play that just to, <laughs> just to satisfy her needs. And um, yeah. Brilliant. Oh, Brilliant. That's amazing. Yeah. And I suppose, it, it, well, I suppose the charity element, as, as you've said there, that's, I suppose, that's inspiration for potentially us to, to maybe do something similar. Uh, you've got to do something. Every two years, that's what I say, every two years you should do something for charity. Um, it's not difficult to do. It takes a day or a couple of days or four days to do. It takes a bit of prep, but I think if you can do one charity event every two years, so I do it in, um, in every odd number, every odd year, I'll do something. Um, because you're, it's difficult to keep asking the same people for donations because you are always going to ask the same people, aren't you? But yeah, there are so many challenges out there that I'd like to do golf related that, hopefully you'll get you know i'll get the chance to do you know in the next few years mm. sounds, uh, no it sounds really good england and france that's what i'd like to do i'd love to play golf in england and france on the same day i mean that that's 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 doable as well that's that's a good one that's definitely yeah but you've got to swim the channel <laughs> <laughs> mix it up make it interesting yeah that's unreal what a great idea <laughs> if you could if you could do that that would be the ultimate wouldn't it that would be the ultimate Wow. Maybe very... that is a little hint as to what's coming next for all of all of Simon's viewers. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've signed up to do Ironman Lanzarote in 2022 because I've got a big birthday in 2022. So um, that's going to be, if Project Left finishes on the 1st of August 2021, which it's scheduled to do, um, then I'll have nine months to train, train for that. That'll be, that'll be what my next challenge is, hopefully. Well, that's okay. Bit of foreshadowing, and we wish you obviously wish you all the blessed luck with that. Yeah. And project left, so thank you very much for going through that. And there's all the stories yeah. around that too. Um, I say that's. I mean, uh, going back to charity for a second, uh, you, I suppose, and this is a personal as well. I suppose like you always do wonder how you could most help or influence charity because you, uh, you could get caught doing the same things again and again and again. I think. That is something that's quite tough for people as well, uh, not wanting to do what everyone else is doing. So uh, golf, tennis, whatever it may be, as a outlet to achieve something good for a particular charity, whatever's close to your heart and everyone's hearts, I think that's, uh, that's very inspiring. And uh, I suppose that's a good thing that we could take forwards as well and, and anyone who's listening. So no, thank you for going into that. It's, it's very good. Um, I suppose next up... Um, Ed, I think I'll, I'll leave this to you. Is our our five quick fire questions that is going to become part of our guest series as we move forwards. Um, so, without further ado, Ed, hit us with those. Simon, let's see if you can bang them out the park or on the fairway, rather. Yeah, no so, worries. I'll, I'll yeah. try and be brief. <laughs> Excuse the pun. Uh, yeah, so uh, five quick fire questions. Give us your best line. 
first thing that comes to your head, all right? So um, here we go. We'll, we'll see what happens, all right? So first things first, top three tips for any amateur. Okay, top three tips for any amateur. Learn to hit the middle of the club face. So you need to be able to hit the middle of the club face, whether that's using dry shampoo, face stickers. You've got to practice strike every time you have a practice session. Not enough people do that. It's not difficult to do. It gives you great feedback. Um, and if you can go to your coach and say, look, I hit 100 balls and 90 of them came out of the toe, then we can do something. If you're then saying, I oh, just hit it terribly, what, what is there for the coach or for you to work on? It's also one of those things that you can't actually teach. So you need to then learn that skill yourself. Um, I think you, you have to have a form of distance control. So you have to be able to know how far your putts are going to go and how far your short game shots are going to go. So whether that's gripping up and down the club or different swing lengths, you have to have a system for scoring, basically. Um, and I think you've got to remember that a golf swing has a start and it has a finish. And we take a lot of time over the start of our golf swing to be consistent. But how many of us know that our, the finish position of our golf swing is consistent? If we can finish consistently and start consistently, that gives us the best chance that when this chaos of impact happens, that we're at least progressing to something that's consistent in terms of a follow through. Is that free? Good enough for you? Fantastic. I know that I can relate to all three of those. I'm looking at Joe and Ben and they both have grins on their faces. So oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> those are fantastic tips. Thank you very much for that. Uh, number two, the best place that you've ever played. Uh, best place, probably Ballybunion, I would say, um, in Ireland. It's just a ridiculous piece of land. Just like so hilly, so June defined so much long grass i mean it was a horrid day when i played so in a way that was good because you saw the golf course at its worst and it's still one of my favorite golf courses um i i just love golf courses by the sea um i know that obviously doesn't relate to you guys because you've got no golf courses by the sea in shropshire <laughs> but you've got no sea um but i think that's one of the the best things about golf is golf courses that used to be underwater and are now not underwater and therefore some of the land you get obviously that's always going to be very sandy soil um, so they always drain well they're always fast and running you get crazy winds and crazy weathers that are changing by the sea so yeah valley bunion for me but basically any golf course by the sea i'm happy fantastic that great shout i think we'll, we we all agree with that as well that's uh, an excellent choice uh so third question place that you most want to play and haven't played yet Okay, so we did, um, we've done a podcast on this. Um, we did four or five podcasts and never really, we just couldn't be bothered to keep, keep going with it, to be honest. Um, but to me, there was, there's a couple of places that I'd like to go to. RCD that I think one of you mentioned in previous podcasts, Royal County Down, is phenomenal. Um, and, and that's attainable. You know, that's not that far away. That's a ferry or an airplane just to get there. Um, Cape Kidnappers in New Zealand is just ridiculous. If you've not seen Cape Kidnappers pictures, just, I don't, have you heard of that? Never heard, no. Never heard. Oh, no, but I'm, I'm on Google right now. <laughs> you are in, you are literally in for a treat. That is, if you talk about aesthetics and the drone footage that they've got from there, it's just like, again, crazy piece of land that that golf course was built on. I think those would be the two for me that I'd love to go and play that are accessible. Obviously you've got Augusta that I think is top of pretty much everyone's bucket list simply because it's not really accessible because it's not really attainable. There are only a handful of people that will ever play it in any given year that aren't already tour pros. Um, I think Pebble Beach is quite interesting. Um, again, alluding to, I think it was Ben that said he wanted to play in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am with Kelly Slater. How cool would that think, be? I've done my research, boys. I've done my research. Um, which I thought was, I, I, I don't think you give Ben enough credit for that pick because what he's done, not only has he picked Kelly Slater, who's obviously a big hero of his, but inadvertently he's turned himself into a tour pro to play in that event with an amateur. Correct. because he's not going to play two amateurs in the same in the same pairing so just by saying that and playing wanting to play in that event he's turned himself into a pga tour player so I'm fair just, play I'm just to, planting to the thinking seed. of that just, just, just planting planting the seed. Seed. Yeah. it's inevitable really isn't it it's inevitable <laughs> it'll happen 
That's that's a yeah. fantastic idea and one I hadn't thought about about being unattainable. Actually, mm. um, yeah, there are a lot of golf out that golf course out there that are probably unattainable. So um, that one in New Zealand is definitely on the hit list. Uh, Crazy, fourth, isn't it? It's amazing. Just have a look at it. It's amazing. We we will we will. Um, fourth question: What is your dream four ball? Okay, so dream four ball is is this non non golfers <laughs> alive? Anybody? Yeah. Anyone. Anybody. I think you've got to. I think you've got to play with Tiger. I think, I think we've seen, in, especially like right now, um, I think if you've seen the charity matches that he's played, um, mm -hmm. the tailor-made match they played a few weeks ago, I think if you've got Tiger in his nice relaxed state that he is now, hopefully, in a, in a fun environment, you could really ask him some questions and you might actually get some answers, which would be fun. So I think from a golfing perspective, you'd want to... Um, to play with Tiger. I think I'd also want to play with Ben Hogan because I think it would be fascinating to hear, you know, pre-launch monitor, you know, sorry, this is a coaching um, selfish question. So pre-launch monitor, pre-impact, pre all the stuff that we coach now, he was coming up with answers to the questions that we have answers for instantly now because of technology and because of data. Um, and it would be, I'd have got like, a list as long as my arm of questions I'd love to ask him. Um, so that would be good. Um, I think I'm a big music fan, so I'd want some form of artist with us because like, I'd love to know what it feels like to be on stage in front of all those people. You know, I've been to enough festivals, I've been to enough massive concerts to think actually what would you like to be, you know, what would it be like to be in front of, of all those people? Um, and so for me knowing that he's a massive golf fan i've got a friend of mine who was on tour with him uh probably two years ago maybe just under two years ago alice cooper um again just a, a, what a personality to go and spend four hours with and the questions you could ask him and stuff and then the life he's led so yeah those would be my my four ball for me didn't know he was a golfer oh massive golfer he had go. he has a callaway contract um and here you go inside scoop for you every <laughs> venue he went to every country he went to the callaway rep from that country or that locality would turn up with a set of clubs for him to use um and make sure that he had balls and tees and, and access to to golf play golf every day on tour that is amazing that is, yeah that is incredible. That is what made of, right? mm, yeah definitely yeah yeah have a have a profession that you're so good at that actually you can then facilitate your hobby to be free and accessible yeah. and someone sorts it out for you Absolutely, absolutely. Great, great choice. That sounds like a, a good football to me. That'd be uh, good fun. Finally, what is the highlight of your golfing career? Whether that be as a professional, like as a professional or as a, like a social um, kind of, like you alluded to charity stuff before. Yeah, I think, I think you've got to, uh, I think favourite moment would be, I don't know, it's difficult, isn't it, that one? Um, I would say from a selfish playing point of view, the shot, the one shot that really stands out to me, um, again, I was probably 12 or 13 at the time. Um, and there was a local club to us in Essex um, called Stoke by Nayland. You may have heard of it. It hosts like senior tour events and challenge tour events. Anyway, we, the, the Stoke by Nayland Junior Open was a massive thing. And Wilson sponsored it one year. And this would have been mid 90s maybe early 90s, probably early 90s, actually. And Wilson sent over two of their young staff pros to give a clinic at lunchtime for us juniors. Um, and one of them was a guy called Scott Gleason, who you'll have never heard of. And the other guy was a young Irish pro called Porry Harrington. And <laughs> he gave, they gave this demo at lunchtime, and we all sat and watched it. And then we all went out to play in the afternoon, and they all went out in buggies to watch. Um, and the 10th hole at Stoke on Island has a massive lake and you tee off behind the, so the tee is here, massive lake, fairway on the left, green on the right. So you basically have to go dot, dot across this lake. Or if you're 12, you go dot, dot down the fairway, wedge onto the green. Anyway, I've blocked my tee shot too close to the water, but I've just somehow managed to get on a line that's, that's found the fairway. And I've probably got a couple hundred yards into the green. And I'm thinking I can either chip this 30 to 40 yards down the fairway or try and go for the green with three wood and six buggies have appeared on the top of the hill behind me and obviously there are these pros and all the 
hoi polloi of the event, all the Blazer boys are there watching. I'm like, I literally cannot just chip this ball down the fairway. I have to, I have to go for this. This might be my one opportunity ever to hit a shot in front of a tour pro. And ironically, other than ex tour pros that I've played with, it was. It was the only shot I've ever hit in front of a tour pro. And I hit this three wood to about probably 25 feet. And it felt like I'd hit like the greatest shot in the world. And they all applauded. Um, and that, that just sticks, that sticks in your memory, doesn't it? Stuff like that. Um, I think from a, from a professional point of view, I think um, just, just we run um, Golf Sixes. So I don't know if you've heard of Golf Sixes, the brand, um, but they, they're now massive into junior golf. Um, and so we, I have an under 12s team every year from my club um, in the Golf Sixes. Um, and we actually managed to field a whole team of girls one year um, and it made the local press and stuff. But it, we've built this really cool core of junior girl golfers at our club uh, and it has become the hub in our area for junior girls golf. So if anyone, if any girls are interested in golf, they tend to end up gravitating towards our club. And I think from sort of a professional and a kind of a pride point of view, I think that's a massive one for me that we're developing. Like, it was always my, my little sister played golf just because my whole family played golf, but she didn't have any friends that played golf. And as soon as she finished golf, she would change out of her golf clothes before she would go into town with mum or dad, even as a, as a young teenager. So just to, to now feel like golf is a little bit cool for them and they're not ashamed to be golfers, I think is a massive thing. And now we've got this, this core of like 25 junior girls at our club with another 10 or 20 younger ones coming through. That's probably my, my proudest coaching side of things. Mm -hmm. Amazing. That's amazing. That's quite a big number as well, actually, in terms of especially junior girls at a golf club. That's that's fantastic because you do. Uh, that's one thing you, I think golf lacks is probably diversity, um, and that's 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 very impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got you, you. We've got an England international, and we've got six or seven county internationals. But it's not about those. It's just about mm. having people that are playing the game. It's not for me. It's not about elite and trying to. You know, that's why I love coaching normal people because if i can give someone more enjoyment for a game that they are doing for fun mm -hmm. that's much much more powerful to me than trying to teach someone that like imagine imagine being dj's coach right you could literally tell him to do anything and he'd still shoot under par you mm -hmm. could tell him to hold his hands the other way around and he would still find a way to find the middle of the club face <laughs> same you know again relate it back to relate it back to your tennis there are just players out there and you'll have played against them where no matter what you do, they will win because they are better. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Couldn't agree with that more. And yeah, completely take take my hat off to the uh, their like getting a team of golf young golfing girls playing is a is a is great. Yeah, it's pretty proud. Yeah, struggles massively. Um, so and it's the more elite it gets, the more it drops off. Um, so it, yeah, but no, that, that's fantastic. Well done. That's that's great. Um, cool. So yeah, there we have it. Uh, uh, five quick questions with Simon. So thank you very much for those. Um, Can I throw in a bonus question that I've just thought of? Go on, lad. Is that all right? Far away. This can be, be semi-quick fire, but I'm interested. So you know, answer as you will. But um, this thing we always we talk about a lot, and, and, and have spoken about a lot lately. And we mentioned a bit earlier about swings on tour and about how different they are and how much you know, it doesn't matter what your swing does as long as you impact the ball properly. In your opinion, Deshambo or Wolf? For what? Effect, not, well, not effectiveness. We know they both work, but practicality and maybe which one is more um, progressive and potentially relevant to the wider audience who are going to watch it. Yeah, so I think, I think interestingly for me, those are two... You, you pick two people that really resonate with me. So Bryson's my favorite golfer at the moment because he has just found, a, he's found what he wants to do to win PGA tour events. Um, Bubba Watson's the same. He knows that if he can just kill the par fives week in, week out and the short par fours, that gives him the best chance to win. Um, I think Matthew Wolf is interesting. I followed George Jankers for probably six or seven years now um, and watched Matthew Wolf growing up with, with that swing, he's got another lad called Johnny Ruiz who's going to come through hopefully in the next year or so, who's similar, swings it similar to Wolf, not quite as extreme as Wolf, but similar. Um, but I just think it's that you just look at driving distance 
athleticism will win events. It, it always has when you think about it. Tiger hit it further than everyone else and won more. Jack hit it further than everyone else and won more. Arnold Palmer hit it further than everyone else and won more. Byron Nelson in the 50s, massive guy, hit it far further than everyone else and won more. Ted Ray, take it back even further. The big, strong guys have always won. And yet, somehow, golf's managed to keep this mystique of skill. And I think for us, normal people, skill is massively important. But when you have skill, like all of these players on tour do, the thing that separates them is being able to hit it that bit further. Because not only are you hitting further off the tee, you're hitting your pitching wedge further than everyone else. Therefore, you're winning and then winning again. And if you putt well that week, no one will stop you. That's why I always beat you boys, isn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs> Only when the skill is level does distance equate to, to better goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very true, very true. Yeah. It's, it's interesting you say that, though, because I, I think people, um, in terms of well, personalities, people don't like the fact that Bryson DeChambeau is doing something different. I think Matthew Wolf, even though it looks different, the idea is more conventional. And I don't think people like where he's taking it. And um, and I think people maybe need to just, you know, we, we discussed this last week with the with the boys from S, um, ASSL Golf about about people maybe needing to modernise a bit and open themselves up to change. Um, and yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think if he's if he's found if he's found his way, then hey, why not? And uh, it's interesting because it's good. I've heard such mixed opinions about that, so it's good to hear yours. I think that I think if Bryson came out on tour looking like he did now, mm. I think they would. The questions would not be anywhere near as brutal, differential. You look at Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson came on tour as probably the best athlete. Like he can dunk a basketball. Stood on his two legs. Look, I know Joe is looking nervous because there's less than a minute left on this. Ben, where, I think it was you were just coming to a close. We were on. just finishing off the. I think I think we got. I think we pretty much got to the end of it about um, Bryson, Bryson mm-hmm. and and Wolf, and just just about just about. Uh, we I think we you were just talking about how um, sort sort of uh, uh, athleticism and and Dustin Johnson and everything and yeah yeah yeah. Justin... When when DJ came out on tour and was like hitting it further than everyone else just anyway no one questioned how athletic he was did they they just it was it was quite obvious um but yeah bryson being not the longest hitter and now arguably the longest and most aggressive player Mm. to ever play the game at a top level um yeah it it rubs people and again his personality does rub people up the wrong way but media love the media love an enemy they love a heel they love someone that they can root against because they know the public will root against that person um and he does again he doesn't but again that's his personality he doesn't care um and he doesn't do anything to to stop that image um but equally when he won the us open and he walked around the corner and his mum and dad were on facetime on a massive tv screen he can't fake that reaction and that to me i don't know if you saw but that was one of the best like it literally nearly broke down in tears and it was like, okay, that's the genuine person. And again, I was lucky enough when we went, I went to watch the Ryder cup um, with my wife um, and some friends and um, being PJ members, you get access to the range um, on the practice days. Um, and we literally stood behind Bryson and his team, maybe oh, six feet away from him for about an hour, just watching him practice his process. And he had two launch monitors on the go he had a fitness coach and he had a swing coach and every shot was then analyzed, talked about, chatted about quite, quite freely. Like they were using like proper technological conversation, but it wasn't, they weren't necessarily breaking or changing swings. They were just talking about like intentions and practices. And I thought like for all these foibles and for all the stuff that he gets criticized for, he works as hard as anyone else has ever worked mm. um, and people used to love vj vj singh used to hit four hundred thousand balls a week and everyone loved it because he practiced hard but for some reason bryson rubs everyone up the wrong way and it's and it's bad that he's you know put the effort in to change his body to play and perform better and this year has been proof of that already like we're six months into him playing 
in this new way. He's won a major and what two or three events, not finished outside the top ten in loads more events. You know, yeah. took the money to the bank, which is what their sport's all about at that top level, isn't it? Absolutely, and that's going back to what you said about his um, his initial reaction to having won, and I think also mentioning about how how hard he works. I think that's probably why it meant so much to him, and 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 trying to implement that such a big change and just pushing through all the initial barriers of that's not going to work, you know, all the all the backlash and the negative um, energy probably had towards it. Then to go, like you say, within six months, win a major. It, a, it's unheard of, and B, it's it to him must be just a real tick, um, just a, a cert- certification that that is he's done everything right. You know, who cares what people think about it? It's he it, can't argue that it doesn't work. So um, no, and if and if he's if his body breaks down in three years and he's won another two majors, who cares? <laughs> just stop playing. Of that doesn't matter, does it? It's irrelevant. Yeah. I mean. He's already won more majors than you could name 10 golfers that are better than him, but they're all judged on how many majors they win. He's won the same number of majors already as so many people. And and who's to argue against him at Augusta in a month's time? Like he can take on shots that people can't take on around there. And um, it's going to be, it really will be interesting. Yeah. And you can bet he's already analyzing where he can take those those shots isn't he so he's already he's already been out there and played it and and figured it out on google earth or whatever however they figure it out you'd be surprised how many of them and how accurate google earth is for a lot of the stuff that they do and you know measuring golf courses and measuring widths of fairways and widths on certain landing spots and stuff um and again it's a free tool there's no excuses if you if you go and play a new course go on Google Earth and it will tell you how wide the fairways are at certain points. It's literally, it's a map and a ruler and you, you go to work. Also, that's the difference between... <laughs> for everyone out there. <laughs> <Top tip. laughs> but, uh... That's the difference between Bryson and, and me, I think, when Bryson goes on Google Maps before a round, it's to check the fairway width and for me, it's to check the closest McDonald's. But, yeah. um, and how long uh... it's going to take you to get there and how late <laughs> can you actually leave? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I try I try and be five minutes late deliberately, just um, puts the others on edge, doesn't it? That's what it, it is. It does. It does. Just to prove a point, um, but they're not they're not as important as they think they are. But uh... <laughs> it puts me <laughs> on edge mostly. Deary me, it's not good. Oh well, yeah, all good. Um, well, I've so... got a question. Oh, go on. Yeah. If you've, if you've finished your questions, I've got a question. So what are you all, like, what is your next individually? What is your next thing you're now going to do? Um, not necessarily off the back of chatting to me, but off the back of what you've learned in the first, you know, five, six episodes of this podcast or what you've learned in the last six months of, you know, of playing and practicing. What, what will be the thing that you now take forward for the next month and say, right, October literally starts on Thursday. What am I? What is my focus going to be for October? And then we'll hold you to account at the end of October. Have you done it? And I think you can hold each other to account on that. And I think that's quite a powerful way for you to kind of all work together. It doesn't have to be the same thing. could be the same thing. But let's have a month where you each go, right, the three of you, this is what we're going to focus on for a month. You're obviously all keen enough to want to keep practicing, to want to keep playing, to want to keep developing. What's October's focus? going to be good question uh do you want me to lead off fellas because there's something that i've been working on for the last uh couple days and it's in relation to my so over the last yeah six months i feel like i'm in a good place striking it pretty comfortably off out of the rough off the fairway off the tee i'm in a good place however um i i'm a right-handed player and i hinge my left wrist just after contact which is in in many which in some instances seems to be uh, pulling a hook, if I were to call it that sometimes. Um, and what I would want to do is ensure that there is a certain level of I don't know what your opinion on this a certain level of rigidity to 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 like with a tennis shot. I always look, look think about the analogy for a tennis shot. So if we're hitting a forehand, I want and if I'm going down the line, I want to put my uh, right hand and keep that out a bit further forwards upon an after impact to ensure that it 
keeps on that trajectory essentially, rather than trying to bring that right uh, wrist and hand over too quickly to push for a cross court shot, for example. So for me, it's it's keeping a bit more rigidity in the ri left wrist after impact, uh, and okay. then carry on with my normal swing. That's and how are you and how are you going to test? How are you going to test that? How are you going to give yourself feedback on that to know whether you're doing it how you want to do it? Well, I think first of all, I'm going to have to video everything that I do consistently. Probably go to a range uh, and then video a whole range session specifically with that focus. And then again, switch it up for clubs thereafter, uh, different clubs, and then come back. And then I would guess speak to the pro who I've spoken to it about and say, is there a difference here? And how can we push that forward? Yeah, you need to you need to get some drills. You definitely you're going to be the answer for all of you, I'm sure. But you need to get some drills. But yeah, we'll come back to that one. Ed, that's good. So for me, um, well, I have this horrendous draw that I've probably ironed out quite. Draw. It's not even a draw. It it, it literally is a boomerang. Like it's, um, like it's the sort of thing that Bryson and Tiger can't do that I can. So. Um, <laughs> So, no, I, I think I've ironed it out a little bit since we started because it was definitely a lot worse. Um, and recently, I've started striking it better when I've... Um, well, so I, I, it's, it's my, I think I have too much movement in my upper body, um, which leads me to I, too much of a variation in striking it in the middle of the club. Um, so I've been working on trying to keep my head still a little bit more and trying to keep get my swing path a little bit better, my take back. Um, so it's more just... Yeah, again, it's not because it isn't about what the swing looks like. It, it is just about the contact, but it's to try and reduce the movement or variation in my swing to to give me that better contact. Um, so yeah, that's the sort. That's what I'm I'm desperately trying to, trying to do. Um, okay. I, and I think the obvious way of measuring it is is the output is how many, like just the output of the ball. Um, but again, it needs like a drills, a range session, that sort of thing. So. Um, yeah, like when it, when I when I hit it, it, it flies, but it's, there's just too much variation in it. So, um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's good. I, I I think I think for me, it's in a bit of a broader sense. It's just I think I've been I've been saying thinking about this a lot lately is is about having intention, and I think when I've played well, I'm playing the best golf now that I've probably ever played, which is still isn't great, but for me, it's pretty good. And I think even when I'm playing well now, a lot of the shots that I play well and work out well for me weren't necessarily what I intended. They're not far off, but they're not really the intention. And so I, I'm, I'm, I do try my best now, especially when I'm on my own, because it annoys people if I'm with them, is talking through everything I'm doing before and after. And it's a bit of a process, but not like you mentioned before, um, Simon, about having process. I need, that's going to be a huge thing is, is figuring out the process and making sure when I'm still over the golf ball, I feel like I'm doing this, not the same thing, but I'm doing the, um, the right thing every time, which is going to repeat itself. And so I just feel more comfortable doing that. And, um, and, and yeah, having intention saying, this is what I'm going to do, doing that and not just doing something which is similar or kind of right and going, wow, that'll do. I want to make sure that I know, a know what I'm doing, but then when I do it, it's because I've, try to do it not because oh that's worked out okay it's because it's it's happened you know and i think once i can do that because i can i can play good golf when i when i when i do that and when i when i want to calm down and, and and put a process in my head but it's when i get overthink things and go and go a bit silly that i don't play don't play so well so if i can calm everything down and put a process in and have a bit more intention with what i'm doing i think that'll be amazing and in terms of recording that I think it would just be a case of maybe even just having a, like you say, a set process, whether it's a good one or not, having a process in place and just knowing it's there. And then maybe in a month's time, if I feel more comfortable, just feeling more comfortable and being more happy with the general um, outcome of shots. I think, that, I think that, maybe that's a bit vague, but in terms of a general direction, that's definitely what I think needs to happen for me. Okay, cool. Let me, let me respond to those all, if that's all right. Um, so let's start with you, Ben. Um, massively agree with that and i think that's something that people don't do enough of is that process i think let's have a clear start and a clear end to that process and then you fill it with whatever you want so you carry your bag yeah yeah so your process of golf 
starts the moment you put the put the legs out on your bag, mm. right? And that process yeah. doesn't finish. This is on the course. That process doesn't finish until you pick the legs up off the bag and move on. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So that that's your window. That's your focus yeah. point. So you've got to promise me for the next month that you're just going to focus your routine. The moment that bag goes down till the moment the bag comes up, right? So yeah. once you put the bag down, you've obviously got all your pre-shot stuff. So mm -hmm. club selection, live, wind, elevation, yeah. um, situation, all that sort of stuff. And then you've got the execution of the shot. And then yeah. you've got enough time to react, laugh, swear, throw clubs, whatever you want. But you have to deal with all of that before yeah. you pick the bag up. Yeah. yeah right? Absolutely. As soon as you pick the bag up, you're not allowed to think about what's happened or what is going to happen in the next shot until you get to the next shot. Because mm. I think so many people get so tired on the golf course because they spend, let's say you've got a 40 second walk to your next ball. You spend yep. 38 seconds of that beating yourself up of what's just happened. And then two yep. seconds and then the next shot thinking about what you're going to do. And you just repeat that process all the way around the golf. And that's draining. Like just, just doing that. So I often use it with people's gloves. If you take your glove off between shots, when, you, when your glove's off, you chat about where you want to go in Scotland, what whiskey distilleries you want to visit, where venison you want to eat, all that sort of stuff. But as soon as that glove goes on or as soon as that bag goes down or as soon as you press stop on your electric trolley, mm -hmm. then you think about golf. And then sure. as soon as you press start on your trolley again, you're not allowed to think about golf. And it actually becomes much more relaxing doing yeah. that and that doesn't cost anything that doesn't take any massive learning because you kind of no. know what you're trying to do it's just being disciplined enough to do it um i think you, you you'll see massive improvements just by doing that for a month and you'll find if you do it consciously for a month once you've done it for a month thinking about it you won't even think about it anymore and you'll yeah. just and the process will become natural um I think we're across to you, um, Ed, and your curvature. I think <laughs> I think you've spent. I think a good way to a good analogy for you to think of is: let's imagine you're tossing a coin, right? Every single time, no matter what you do, however you throw that coin up, it always comes down tails. Yeah, no matter what you do, throw it over your head, behind your back, whatever, always comes down tails. You need to feel what heads feels like. So therefore, you can then go, oh, right, that's what it feels like to hit that massive slice that I see everyone else doing. And then work back from that. And then, because I don't think that, I think being able to curve the ball is a massive skill that, that you have to have a certain amount of speed to curve the ball. What you see juniors, when you see older golfers, they can't curve the ball because they don't hit it far enough to generate enough speed or enough spin to actually add any curvature. So the fact that you are, curving the ball means that you are producing some speed and you don't necessarily want to hit straight golf shots but i think you want to know how much you're going to curve it at any given moment and i think that comes again if you for both of you guys that i'm coming to you relate it to tennis what's the one thing you do after you're in your ready position what's the first thing you do when you take the racket back for a forehand or backhand what do you do you change and you set your grip don't you for the yeah. shot for yeah, the yeah. shot you're going to do and and in tennis they're called western semi-western full like they've got names haven't they and yeah. you've got this lovely racket that's got uh, octagonal shapes on it so you can move it without looking at it and put it into position and you yeah. put that yeah. you put that racket face into position here don't you you've done you've done the racket work the grip change the face angle you've done that work and then you deliver whatever whatever shape shot you want. And I think too many people forget that and forget how important it is to set, set that club in a good position. Um, but I think for you, it's that hopefully be that fun element of practicing. Like if I massively open the club face on my backswing yeah. and try and hit a massive cut. So I swing miles to the left. How much does it actually fade? Yeah. And we don't know the answer to that, but that would be a fun experiment, wouldn't it? Yeah. To spend, right. I'm going to hit, 20% of my shots on the range, 40% of my shots, whatever it would be, whatever percentage it would be, trying to hit a massive cut. And once you yeah. hit a massive cut and you go, God, you know what? When I, hit, when I swing miles left of where I think I'm swinging, it goes straight. I see so many people that 
I said, obviously most golfers slice the ball and you're trying to go the other way. As soon as you, as soon as they realize that they can close their club face so much more than they think they're allowing themselves to and still not go left. Cause I think that's what oftentimes we're afraid of what might happen and we end up doing the opposite. Um, I think if you, if you spent a bit of time learning to hit a cut, just yeah. chop down just like you would in tennis down and left yeah. and see what happened. You'd be, I think you'd be amazed how much more awareness you get of where the face is. And then you can kind of marry that up yourself without having to get on a launch monitor, without having to yeah. see data. If you can see the ball flies, that makes sense. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. That's fantastic. Thank you. And I, I, yeah, just give it a go for a month. I think um, for you, Joe, I think you've got to, I think again, I've seen your swing on the channel and had a little look. I think you need to allow yourself a bit more free flowingness. If that is even a word, if it's a word that you understand, then it counts as a word in my opinion, through the ball. I think you're too safe. And I'm not sure if that's a personality thing or just a, I don't want to hit it off the planet type thing. I think you need to get your chest and your hands going faster and therefore you won't have this flick of the club at the bottom because you won't be able to, because you'll just be letting it free flow through the ball. Does that make sense? I think if you can get into that, into that finish position, you know, we all know what the end of a golf swing should look like. Mm. Back foot rotated to allow hips to rotate, to allow chest and shoulders and head to rotate and look at target. If you, have a practice swing and allow your chest to, to outrun your hands, outrun the club head, you'd be amazed, I think, how little that flick will come in. That's and, and, and try it. Have, have a play with it. See, see how it goes. See what happens when you just allow your body to turn, turn a little bit more. Obviously, that might impact on strike a bit. And obviously, strike overrides everything. So if you hit it out the bottom of the club or out the neck of the club, it's still going to slice off to the right. But if you can get that feeling, I think, you know, it, without, without seeing data, without seeing the numbers for you, I think that would be the easiest and quickest way to stop that technical deficiency. Um, and also might make it make the game a bit more enjoyable ra rather than, I think for you, it feels, correct me if I'm wrong, it feels a bit safe. And I think if you can get, gain a bit more freedom, that would make it even more fun. If you can hit it a bit further and, and not have this, worry about that one that goes off to the right yeah it's, it's a very interesting point and i know ben and ed uh, will both probably come in on this because it's been a developing thing since we all started playing together actually um so i probably started out hitting free if mm -hmm. uh, ed, ed would know because he's played before me with ben then it got to the stage where I was probably playing without direction. So, and this is all very much self-taught and Ben and Ed and Matty have, I suppose, guided me through this so far. And it's something actually, so going back to process very quickly, I, I don't know about you boys would agree with this, but I probably go through a process the most out of all of you. Would you, would you agree oh, yeah. that? Yeah. So I actually oh, go yeah. through a process naturally and it's it, the point, that I've been trying to focus on over the last yeah, six months is getting the strike to a, I feel comfortable on the golf course level going round and playing. And I know eight times out of 10 now that I'm, I'm very happy with the way I'm striking the ball off the tee, off the rough, off the fairway. So I'll know I'll get round in X amount of shots. I think what you're saying now is I suppose to take it to that next level. Now we need to almost take a back step again but my, my generally better, my lower lower play this time will be better than it was prior to that. But it, it, that, that freeness now is something that I, I could uh, bring to my game. So that's, that's an interesting point because I think it's something that was there. I've made lots of amendments to try and focus on strike and getting around a golf course uh, and feeling, as you say, comfortable with that. Now the next point, albeit I was uncomfortable going towards to making myself comfortable, now I need to go uncomfortable again to progress further. Yeah, and also monitor, just keep monitoring that strike. So if you can feel like there is improvement in the speed and the freedom and the flowingness of the swing and still maintain all the elements that you've worked so hard beforehand, so you're still hitting it straight, you're still hitting it, striking it well and getting the ball up in the air then it'll only improve yeah because you'll hit it further
something to mention on top of that, on, on top of Joe, what Joe just said about his swing, is that I, I'm not experiencing golf by any stretch, but I've played a lot of golf and seen a lot of people play golf. And Joe is easily the person I've seen who's changed the, the most, the quickest in a positive sense. Like I think probably whenever we, Joe and I first started playing golf together, six, nine months ago, whenever it was, your swing was so similar style in terms of, you know, how it looks now, but even already now it's so much freer than it used to be. And you, I think your ball striking has got so much better since that. And like, it's such a huge, I think your swing used to be like four or five different sections that happened at different times. And now you've got, now your swing is like one whole thing. And I always say to you, when we go play, like, watching you strike a ball when you catch it is as good as watching anyone strike a ball and that's all done from I think you being a bit freer with your swing mm. I just think that's worth mentioning because it's such a huge difference in like such a short amount of time I think as well it's um, not to blow too much smoke up your ass but there you go <laughs> <laughs> well we'll take it but I think that that just comes from being more focused and more and just playing I think you mm. can learn you can learn so much just because you guys are now taking it more seriously than you have done in the past you will see improvements naturally because you're 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 sponges you're taking more info in you're experimenting don't be afraid to experiment try stuff out if it if stuff that i say doesn't work i'm not going to lose any sleep on it you shouldn't lose any sleep on it if it doesn't work bin it you know youtube videos content online has to be generic like we've had a fairly good conversation i've seen your swings and hopefully i can give you some fairly directed advice but it's still fairly generic because i've never seen any of you hit a golf ball and i think if you try try something online and this goes out to anyone that's still watching at this point um if if you try something and it don't work don't worry about binning it off it makes no odds whatsoever because you can find something else that does work just because it works for x pro x this y this person doesn't mean it has to work for you does it no you're right absolutely and that's a, a, a very good uh, area there that we've just gone into. So thank you very much for that. I think we all know what we're going to do now for October, uh, at least. And we're going to have to monitor because we've got someone to be accountable to uh, in November. And each other. <laughs> if it all goes wrong. And the wider community. <laughs> so, uh, no, thank you for that, Simon. Um, so I suppose bringing it to a close now, and I think this is actually, we're going to make this into a, a two-part uh podcast for sure uh because we wanted people listening and to get the most out of it as possible um so to, i suppose to bring to a close and i'll add this at the end of the uh the first podcast as well simon can you can you just give us a a bit of insight your socials where to find you uh everything around that uh, any promotions you want to do and things like that yeah cool so i mean pgli365 literally any social media we're pretty much on them all and um, pglife365.co.uk is our website that will also link you to my personal website if you want online coaching if you want face-to-face -face coaching i'm available available for all of that i am a full-time coach so i'm available um for coaching pglife365 is a, is a social brand it is what it is um there will be golf holidays coaching holidays trips bits and pieces coming up we're, we're getting pretty good contact with a lot of brands at the moment. So we've got loads of giveaways and stuff in the pipeline. And I think, I think you've got to do your bit. If you, if you get the opportunity to, to do giveaways, like we said before with charity stuff, you know, do what you can to give back. Um, and that's hopefully what, what you get from us is that it's, it's fairly real. Um, and, um, and hopefully we feel like you, you, you know, you play some better golf off the back of it. Thank you very much. As I say, I think on all of, uh, account of all of us, it's been a delight to have you on and uh, there's been some really insightful conversation um, and thank you very much for that. Um, so thank you everyone for listening. I suppose that draws to an end this podcast and we'll see you soon.